aside from the fact, you know, War for the Planet of the Apes came out Friday. Um, I was excited about that. So so excited that I actually went to see it. Ten twenty last night. I know. He's a fan. Um, but I was also excited. I'm also excited about the new Star Trek Discovery uh, that's coming out in the fall. Amen. Right. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yes. Yes. This is beautiful. You know, one of my favorite things about Star Trek is the whole thing. Um, people say, you know, beam me up, Scotty. Right, you know, Kirk would say that. Everybody knows Star Trek, right? Even the young people, they got the new edition of Star Trek, so everybody should be up, up on their Star Trek, right? What? Movie night? Star Trek? Yes. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> so I was excited, right? They announced a new Star Trek series, Discovery. You know, they got a sisters, the captain, amen, praise the Lord, amen, amen, black girl power, amen, come on now, black girl magic, amen, come on now. And so, um, but, you know, people always erroneously say, beam me up, Scotty, he actually doesn't say, he says, Scotty, beam me up, oh, you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> yeah, you got to pay attention now to those kind of things. But I was really excited this week when a group of Chinese scientists successfully teleported a particle and satellite off Earth. Ain't that something? I tell you, we had no fans of quantum physics in the house this morning. Okay, y'all didn't hear that news? It was this week. They successfully teleported quantum information from a lab on Earth teleported to a satellite in the sky. Successful teleportation. Now, they only teleport a particle, which is something we can't see. This is a very little thing, but, you know, eventually it's going to be some bigger stuff. You know what I'm saying? Imagine what that's going to be like. Right? And so I don't want, this is going to be a slight physics lesson this morning. I, I should have brought slides for you. Uh, but I won't bore you all the details. I'll make sure I looked up Neil deGrasse Tyson's explanation of quantum entanglement and quantum physics. So I won't bore you with all those details. But needless to say, I was curious. How did they do that? How did they successfully do something with one particle on the earth and teleport information or do something where it does something to another particle on a satellite miles above the Earth's atmosphere. And whatever they did on the particle that was in the lab with the Chinese scientist, it did the exact same thing in the satellite, the particle in the satellite up in the sky instantaneously. It's like they moved it, touched it. I don't know what they did. They did something to it. And then it did the same thing up in the sky. Now, the, 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 the scientific explanation for that, the, the, the word that physicists give this is called quantum entanglement, meaning that there is such an entanglement between these two particles that what 
happens to the one happens to the other so that when one changes state in one place, it changes state, it changes in another place. So they're so uniquely tied together that what happens one on the earth happens to the other one in the satellite or with if it was scientists in the satellite, whatever happens to one particle in the satellite happens to the particle on the earth. Einstein said it's spooky at a distance. He said, it's spooky how that happens. He, he didn't know what to call it. It even baffled Einstein, he, you know, way before, you know, they figured out what was going on. So I began to think, entanglement. Hmm. And so, of course, you know, Interstellar was my soundtrack this week. Again, you know the movies Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey. Right, and there's all a whole bunch of physics, quantum physics, and this whole thing. And so, uh, Ashley came back. Ashley came back, saw me in the study, talked a little bit. She's like, "Oh, what's going on back here?" And my interstellar going, and you know, she's like, "What's going on? You in the lab?" It's like, "Yeah, I'm in quantum physics world now." But hold on to this idea of entanglement, though. What happens to one particle in the sky happens to another particle on the earth. I, found that intriguing, and so I began to ask myself, I began to have a thought experiment, what would it be like to be entangled with something that's in another place, and would that affect me as a human being? So if there was not another particle or some, another reality in another place, and something was happening to it there, would it happen to me here? How are we entangled with things that impact our lives and change our lives while we are here? And not just something that's far away, but something that could be close to us. It could be relationships. It could be the culture and society in which we live and the ways that things that happen in other places and with other people and how they impact us as individuals. So I asked myself a question. So how are we entangled? Of course, I did ask myself, man, hope. You know, I, I guess now I can add this to my bucket list. You know, teleportation. Right? I want to be beamed up one day. Looks like that may happen. Amen. So I was curious. What does it look like to be entangled? And can we be entangled with the divine? With the sacred? With God. Turn with me to Psalm 1. This is my soundtrack this week, Psalm 1. And it's going to be interesting um, because as I was reading this and reflecting on the physics and reflecting on this particular text, um, I kept thinking about this popular phrase in church that we often hear, especially in black church world. We, you hear, uh, you know, you heard this before. Raise your hand if you heard this before. I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen. You've heard that before, right? Y'all kind of lift your hands, your heads down. When I said that, I guess I didn't play it out, right? You know, people say it a lot, right? They still say it? Okay. Amen. Well, I want to title my message this morning this, uh, Blessed and Highly Tangled. <laughs> blessed and Highly Tangled. Now, I just, just described to you quantum entanglement, 
But this morning, I want to talk about divine entanglement. What does it look like to be tangled up in the Word of God? What does it look like to be tangled up in heaven? And so this passage this morning that I want to share with you is in Psalm 1. NIV, you got it? Amen. Here we go. Let me start off at the side here a little bit. Here we go. Blessed is the... Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so to the wicked, not so the wicked. They are like chafe. That the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. God's word for God's people. The thing about the Psalms. The Psalms are especially this particular psalm, this is a wisdom psalm, amen? There's different kinds of psalms in the, in, the, uh, in the psalms, the book of psalms. And this particular psalm is what's called, scholars call a wisdom psalm. Now, by wisdom, it is, wisdom is uh, a pattern, uh, a way of living in this world that's in sync with the pattern by which God has created the world. It's, it's in also on an everyday level, it's about know-how. It's about common sense. It's about knowing when, when, when to do something, when not to do something, being able to have insight and discernment into things. Uh, but divine wisdom is this ability to have something where you can walk in lockstep with the intention and purpose that God has, not just for yourself, but the world around you. So it's being able to see a pattern that God has set forth. And another way of saying it is this. Wisdom is being able to have an internal blueprint of the world that's around you. Also, to have an internal blueprint of who you are and God, how God has made you. And so wisdom is the ability to live into what God has intended for our lives. And so this particular psalm is interested in giving us wisdom or to remind us the importance of being a wise people. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Walter Brueggemann, uh, Old Testament theologian, says that the Psalms gives us a glimpse of a counter world or they give us a glimpse of another world in opposition to the world that's cloaked over your eyes. And so what the psalm should do is give a new song in our hearts that give us a new mind and a new way of seeing, which should lead to a new way of being in the world. And so these particular psalms, especially this psalm, should open our eyes just a little bit to something that's happening beyond what you're told what is real. The psalms hold before us another world. To, that we are invited into, to enter into, to participate in. But I love the opening phrase, blessed. We love that word. We love that word. Especially as Americans, we, we love that word blessed. 
we bring with a whole load of assumptions about what that means. For many people, we've been socialized to think when we say, when this pastor says blessed, we think blessed and highly favored. Or, you know, we put stuff into that. We say things like the American dream or, you know, a bigger house or a bigger car or, you know, more stuff. And um, things that even, uh, which, by the way, side note, we got to find a way to start recycling. You know, this is just a side note. Uh, I just thought about this. Uh, Ash, can you help me with that? Amen. We got to become more of a green space at the church, right? Amen. This is tied to the message some kind of way. We'll get there. But I love this song because that's not what it means by blessed. In this particular psalm, it gives a vision of two different types of human beings. One, what it calls a righteous person, and the other one, what it calls a wicked person. And it begins to describe what it looks like to be a righteous person as opposed to a wicked person. And so it describes who they are, why they are, what they are, what the end result will be if you live these two different paths. That's that's another way of saying it. And so what this psalm does is invites us and reminds us of two different paths, the, the righteous path and the path of wickedness. And there's two words that's used to describe these two people. So the righteous person or the wicked person is the Hebrew word rasha, right? Uh, Typically, we have our own understanding of what wickedness means, right? I mean, in our culture, right? Somebody who says bad words, uh, they go to rented R movies, um, they may drink alcohol, um, they may challenge people. They, these are the people that we would say, and some people in our community would say, these are the people who would try to forbid the county commissioners from praying in Jesus' name. Right? They would call the people that were opposed to that as wicked, right? Uh, which is crazy. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Because what's the point in praying in Jesus' name if you ain't going to be like Jesus? The other one is righteous, Zadik, and I spell Rasha for it, R-A-S-H-A, and Zadik is T-Z-A-D-I-K, and there's different spellings of these. But Zadik is the righteous, Rasha is the wicked. Now, let's look at this. Blessed is the one, and the word there is, the way the Hebrew is, it's like, Man, 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 how blessed, how happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. That word wicked there, the word rasha means a human being that is an open hostility to the purposes of God. It's not just somebody who breaks what we consider social conventions and etiquette and all these kind of things. No, this is a human being. This is a person who has has, who intentionally or has decidedly gone against and hostile towards what God's purpose is. They are anti purpose of God. And what is God's purpose in the world? What is God up to in the world? 
God is healing the world. That's how the story goes. Sometimes it don't seem like that. But according to the story, God is actively transforming and healing the world. And so uh, the idea is that wicked folk are people who are not moved by what God demands or what God intends. They are people who are, are actually hostile to what God intends for the world. They are hostile towards God's healing and redemptive purpose in the world. Matter of fact, they organize themselves against what God wants to do in the earth. This is what it means to be wicked. It means to be twisted. And the psalmist says, oh, blessed, oh, happy are those who don't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in a company of markers. And if you notice the progression, it starts off with a walk. If you're not careful, if you're not discerning, you will find yourself walking with those who are hostile to the very redemptive and healing and transformative purposes of God. You'll find yourself in company with those who you're just walking with them. You're just, notice the progression, you start off walking with them and then what happens next? And then you're standing with them. First you're walking with them, giving them an ear and then you're standing with them and then next thing you know, you're sitting with them. But whose delight, verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on God's law day and night. And I love this because the word law there is, is, is the, word, the, the word that we use to describe the first five books of the Old, Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, is the word Torah, which means uh, instruction or the path or the way, um, you know, it's the first five books. You know, one of the things that hit me uh, this morning as I was meditating on this is this, is that when I read the Torah, it tells you how to live. I thought that interesting. There's not a whole lot in the Torah to tell you what to believe. That hit me this morning. Right? You don't see the ancient Jews or in the Old Testament, they don't have a list of what you propositions you should believe about God, other than God's declaration in the text, right? You don't see Jews obsessing about, okay, you got to believe X, Y, and Z. If you believe X, Y, and Z, then you're in. You're good. No, the Torah means way. It is a way of life. Jesus is described as the way. Matter of fact, the earliest Christians were called the way. But whose light, delight is in the law of the Lord in destruction, the instruction of of the Lord whose delight is that they savor it is in the way of God is those who meditate on this way, this instruction day and night. Uh, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So here we had the picture. The wicked are those who are hostile towards the purposes of God. And then you have the righteous are people who delight in the law of the Lord. And the thing that's interesting is it says in the verse first, it says, blessed are those who do not do these things. 
So blessedness or happiness in this particular text, and we'll talk about this some point in the future, I hope, when we talk about what happiness is from a more sacred, a more biblical standpoint, or a more common sense standpoint than the way our culture oftentimes defines it. Um, happiness is the fruit or the, the outcome of living the way that's being instructed, that's being described in this particular text. Those who delight in the way of God, those who savor and sup and, and they take part and they partake in the way of God, the way that God moves in the world, those are the ones who are happy. Those are the ones who are blessed. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. It's so easy to put our own American lens upon this text. Y'all saw that word prosper. Y'all like, oh, yeah. Amen. If I just declare, if I just name it, I can claim it. If I can just read the scriptures and I, if I can just confess the scriptures, I'll get what I have. I'll, I'll have what I say. And that is nothing what the text is suggesting to us. It's suggesting that those who are the Sadiq, those who are uh, living and savoring and delighting in the way of God, those who have been planted by God, by streams of water, whatever they do will prosper. Why? Because they are the Sadiq. You're like, okay, so who are the Sadiq? I'm glad you asked. In ancient Judaism, Ancient Jewish belief, a zadik, another word for just person or a righteous person. They were considered to be a person of highest ethical, the highest ethics, like they're this very moral person, right? I mean, also more than that, actually. Um, they were considered people that were so full of God to the point where there was none of them left. It was just God. It's said in some of the ancient rabbinic literature that uh, when a Sadiq touches heaven, when looks up to heaven and touches heaven, and when they turn around and touch the earth, the earth gets transformed. The Sadiq are people who are entangled with heaven. The, the belief was that uh, whatever happens to he in heaven actually happens in the life and through the Zadik. <laughs> because they were so entangled in the divine, it's so entangled into what God's will was. Jesus even prayed that Jesus gave us a deep prayer to y'all. He told y'all how to pray. He prayed so that y'all can become Zadiks. He said, my father, our father who are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, where? On earth, as it is in heaven. The Lord's prayer is a prayer of entanglement. Not quantum entanglement, 
divine entanglement. So when Jesus was saying is when you pray, get yourself, center yourself contemplatively. If I said that word right, center yourself in who God is. And so when you get to the place where you can touch heaven, however that looks, and when you turn around, heaven is represented in your touch on the earth. Zadik was seen as a conduit of divine possibility shared upon the earth. They were also seen as the very hands and feet of what God was wanting to do in the world, which is to heal the world. There's a Jewish phrase, tikkun olam, which literally means to repair the world. And so the, the Zadik was seen as a person who was sent in the middle of it all, in the middle of the suffering and the brokenness and the injustice that's in the world. And so God will send Zadiks into the world to be a healing and redemptive and transformative presence wherever they were because why because whatever was happening in heaven was happening on earth through their lives and their bodies and their minds and their souls Zadik as opposed to the, the wicked. The reason why the wicked are hostile to the purposes of God because they're too full of ego. They get in the way of divine purpose. The Zadik is the opposite. And here's the thing, if we we're honest with each other, it'd be easy to scapegoat and say that, you know, It'd be easy to say this. Actually, it's very easy. I actually said this to myself this week. You know, I think we got a Rasha in the White House. I think we got a Rasha in the highest levels of government. But then I thought about myself. I was like, maybe all of us got Rasha in us at some level. Maybe at some point. At some level in our lives, we are hostile to divine purpose. Maybe there's some component. Maybe not none of y'all here sitting here, you know, uh, but maybe me, myself, I was thinking about this. You know, how do I stand in the way of God trying to bring healing in my own life and healing in the world around me? How do I, uh, how am I intentionally or unintentionally, and can you be unintentionally hostile? Is that even possible? You can be unintentionally hostile, right? Amen. Okay, I guess we're in agreement on that. How am I, Russia? And so, what is the Zadik? The Zadik is someone who is planted by God. They are divinely entangled with God. They are so in. Uh, a step with uh, God, they are in, uh, they are learning how to, I should say, you know, because, you know, there's this imagery there that uh, this is this perfect person, and that's not necessarily the case, right? They just might be somebody who just got a yes in their spirit. Uh, when God, they got a, a yes from heaven that God has planted them, and that's the thing about it, they have allowed God to plant them by the streams of living water, and so, and what it is is that they are people who are, are who allow themselves to be planted by God, to 
yield to God. They, Zadik or the just person or the blessed and happy person. Amen. Everybody say to your neighbor, blessed and highly tangled. Blessed and highly tangled folk have a yes from God in their bosom. As we say in the church where I come from, yeah, God. They have a yes to what God wants to do in their lives. They have a yes to what God wants to do in their community. They have a yes from heaven implanted in their hearts. And the Bible says that they have been planted by streams of living water. Guess why? Because people who are blessed and highly tangled in God, sometimes this can be a lonely existence. Why? Because we can have people around us or we are tempted ourselves to be tangled up in the wicked, in the rasha, in the, the very forces that are hostile to the very purpose and presence of God in the world. We got a yay God. That's what's a deke. They got a yay God. In their hearts. And I love the imagery there. If you go back to the text, there's this imagery of this, this tree. They're like trees planted. Because hmm. remember, what happens in heaven happens on earth through the Zadik. And so God is planting blessings in the community. God is planting trees, Zadik trees, righteous trees, healing trees in the community and so in our lives. And so you, if you come here, guess what? You are part of those, we hope by the grace of God, that we will be those who are planted by streams of water. Planted. Trees by streams of water. As I said, this can be a lonely existence sometimes. But I love what God does in this imagery, in this psalm. I love the songwriter here and what he does. So there's this tree that's planted. I found it interesting. And I don't know what the progression here is. But the imagery that I had in my mind was that there was literally a tree, right, in my, in my child imagination. And I have a new word I created this week. Y'all want to hear it? So in my mind canvas, right, Sherlock Holmes is a mind palace. I have a mind, pa- a mind canvas. In my mind canvas, I saw God. And, you know, it wasn't Morgan Freeman or anything. I just, I saw God just picking up this tree, this fully mature tree, and literally planting it by the line, the streamline, the land right there, right before, next to the stream. <clears throat> and the imagery that it hit me was is that it doesn't see he planted a seed. It says he planted a tree. What if we saw ourselves no longer as seeds, but if we saw ourselves as trees 
being planted in our world. And then it says this. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And I love this imagery there. If you can imagine this tree, this big tree being planted by the streams of water. And what do trees do? They, they produce leaves. And depending upon what kind of tree it is, it produces fruit. And one of the things I love about trees and fruit trees is the thing I love, especially about apple trees, is that they produce apples. Have you ever seen an apple tree or any kind of fruit tree produce fruit for itself? You ever walked in an apple orchard? Do you ever see a bunch of apple trees eating its own apples? Trees bless the community or Trees bless the world, the vicinity around them. They, they give fruit. They have life. They give sustenance and nutrition to the world that is around them. And so, hey, just check this out. So, a Zadik is a person that is planted by God in this world to bear fruit, to give uh, of life and sustenance and healing, and to be an agent and conduit of transformation because they've been planted by God in some place. And so, what happens is, is their lives become a conduit. Their lives become literally a, 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 a vehicle, a, a place by which God can operate and move through them to bless other people around them. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed and highly tangled. Tangled up folk got a yes in their hearts. Tangled up folk understand, especially church folk, you know, I want to say this. Tangled up people, they don't get caught up in the cliches. And uh, Zadiks don't get caught up in the language of faith. They don't get caught up in religious uh, cliches. They say, while their brothers and sisters are saying, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And they know that at home their lives are erect, that they need healing, that they need joy, that they need to grieve. They need to be truthful about their situation. They say, no, sister, no, brother. I understand what you mean by that. I know that you want to be highly favored. But guess what? Sometimes we, it, it doesn't feel that way. But here's what God wants. God wants you to be blessed. Why? Because you're highly tangled. I'm blessing highly tangled, sister, brother. What does that mean? It means I don't feel the favor right now. 